Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And my name is Joss Golden. And today's episode has got the longest title in the history of all podcast episodes. Which <laughs> 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 you would have already probably seen, and it's based on a quote from Gabor Mate, where he says, it's completely unnatural for kids to be separated from their parents for the whole day. Yes, yeah. And we were saying before we started recording how nice it is to have that, to be able to hear other people who are well-respected and well-admired in the world of trauma and parenting and all of these things to be speaking these words that, that have been so understood in aware parenting for so long. Yes, and so in, understood in, I would say, probably the majority of Indigenous cultures as well. Like, it's just like, obvious isn't it just obvious that's how things would have been although I imagine in indigenous cultures it would also have been like the the community because it wasn't just like nuclear families and isn't in most of those cultures and wasn't so I imagine that would be it's completely unnatural for a child to be separated from adults and people that they are securely attached with yeah yeah it was like part of the tribe yeah and now it's their families yeah yeah, so completely unnatural. And for that to be the case for a long time till our children are much older than the vast majority of our mainstream culture would consider to be still totally fine for them to be with their families and want to be together with their families. Yeah, for many years. Yes. And yeah, I'm thinking about three and five and just how I we were talking before again. And what I would really love to say is if you have been judged or shamed or told that there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your child for actually not wanting to be separated until later on and for having you or them having big feelings in relation to that, that I and we are sending you so much love and compassion and just want to say it's so core to the disconnected domination culture to try to persuade people to believe that there's something wrong with them for actually wanting to be close to their child or for their child to want to be close to them it's so pivotal that disconnection disconnected domination culture that's why it's called disconnected first thrives on helping us all get brainwashed the disconnection from our families is normal and natural rather than it's actually very unnatural as Gabor said so beautifully <laughs> yeah yeah I'm so grateful that I was aware of this and that I read like the continuum concept and, and similar things and that I understood about attachment theory and so on before I had children because it starts from before your child is even born and I remember lots of people at work saying to me oh have you got the nursery ready and that kind of thing and it's just so presumed that from the moment of birth you're going to be separated from your children and what you're really doing is starting the process of making your child independent as quickly as possible and then even at the birth process I remember my son was born in a hospital and 
as soon as he was born, they wanted to take him away from me. And I had to keep fighting. And I started fighting at that moment. And I kept on fighting for years and years to keep him close. And I remember even just straight after his birth, when we were going up to the ward in the hospital, and they said, oh, you can't hold him. You have to give him to the nurse to hold. And I said, I'm not willing to do that. I'm holding him. And they said, well, you can't hold your baby and walk through the hospital just after he's been born. It's against the protocols. And in the end, I insisted and they got me a wheelchair so that I could hold him and they would wheel me up to the ward and then we got up to the ward and they wanted me to put him in a plastic box in the nursery with all the other babies and I was like no he's coming in my bed and they all thought that was really weird and all these midwives thought it was really strange that I would want to be in bed with my son and they were starting to say it was dangerous and all of these things and so it starts right at the beginning and then of course we have this widely held cultural belief that all children aged three or four or however old it is now need to be starting school or need to be going to daycare or need to be starting a separation from a really young age. And I love the fact that when my son went to kindy, he made it really clear to me that he wasn't ready to be separated from me. And as a result, I spent, it took me a year being with him twice a week, all day in kindy so that he would be willing to go. And people would say to me, look, you just should leave him. He'll be fine if you just go, just leave him. And saying things like, oh, he'll never learn to be independent. He's always going to be needy. And there's a sort of clingy and other that words that they've got such a connotation with them. And I'm so glad that I was able to just trust my voice. And even though it was really hard for me to do that. And yeah, of course, my son grew up to be an adult who is completely independent and deeply connected to me at the same time. And that's what we offer our children when we make these choices. But it's so hard in the face of this relentless push to disconnect us in so many ways. Yeah, I so deeply acknowledge you, Joss, and I so celebrate that you, that new mother. Of course, isn't that the most horrific thing? Because in a healthy culture, the whole culture would be doing everything possible to support that beautiful attachment, that connection with your newborn baby, to have him as close as possible and for you to be supported in that as a mother, as the wise birthing woman. And the fact that we live in this disconnected domination culture, which is hell bent on doing everything it possibly can to separate us from our babies and our children and to condition us to think that there's something wrong with us or them, if that we don't want that. And it's a huge thing to, to stand in the face of, isn't it? I so deeply acknowledge you and how you're willing to just keep on listening to him and keep on listening to yourself. It's so beautiful. And of course, isn't it beautiful the ages our children are now to see, like with your son, to see that, of course, by actually really meeting his attachment needs and listening to him and honoring that beautiful connection, it creates the true interdependence actually isn't it and I'm so with you I also am so grateful for learning so much about attachment beforehand and the continuum concept and hold on to your kids which we are going to talk about next week the book co-authored by Gabor Mete and Gordon Neufeld and just all these people are sharing this information so we can actually return to our innate knowing which is it's essential that secure attachment is so essential and if we look in nature around us we there are no examples in nature of of young being raised and pushed out of the nest early. You know, and it is, and if we look at the animals in nature that we're most closely connected to genetically, and that monkeys will carry their babies all the time. And it's just so obvious 
And again, when we look at how we evolved to live for hundreds of thousands of years in our communities, it was carrying babies, holding them close, wearing them next to our bodies, sleeping next to them, having them be, you know, have breastfeeding long term, all of those sorts of things. And obvious, it's so obvious that's how we thrive and that's how they thrive. And yet in our culture, that's not that's made difficult for us time and time again. Even just breastfeeding in public becomes an issue or yeah, we had lots of there were lots of times when I was breastfeeding my children in public and I would have people looking at me or judging me or criticizing or whatever. And it's just there are so many ways that from right from the beginning we are led to believe that it's wrong to be close and closely connected and physically close and attached to our children. And yet everything we know about psychology tells us how vitally important that is for us all and how all of us adults have got so many issues and so much trauma because our attachment needs weren't met when we were younger. It's such a bizarre thing that those two things are held at the same time. It really is bizarre, isn't it? And I really think it shows the strength of the, the and to me, I see the DDC increasingly as like, because it's a system, like it's doing anything it can on an energetic level for anybody to move outside of it, which is why some, we will get ju judged or shamed, all of those things, because the system has this sense of someone's moving outside of us. Someone's not going to be buying into this. And if they're not buying into this, you know, first comes disconnection, then domination. The culture cannot have this, have power over us or our children if we are not buying into this whole disconnect piece, which is why it's so frantically doing absolutely everything it possibly can, usually through a whole lot of judgment and shaming and wrongness thinking to get us back into the fold again, to say, oh, I'm so sorry. No, actually, of course, I need to be separate from my baby or child. It's so powerful. We are so powerful as parents, and it's really hard in the DDC to, to stay connected to that power. Yes, yes, yes. And, and it's so about getting us used to that disconnection, isn't it? So that, again, we're willing to be to be dominated and we're willing to be um, to be feeling like we are compelled to obey and that we don't tune into our own inner knowing and our own intuition. And I think when it comes to like school, by the time our children are four, most children in the developed world are spending the majority of their time apart from their families in environments where for the majority of people they're not treated very lovingly where there are large numbers of children and small numbers of teachers looking after them and so of course their attachment needs are not being met and it's just the norm and really like when we started kindy it was two days a week i'm pretty sure in most places now it's four days a week and now they're even talking about having a pre-kindy year at school. So, you know, that's hours and hours and hours of a day that young children who evolved <laughs> for hundreds of thousands of years to be close to people who love them, spending hours a day outside of that environment. It's just really, really sad. It yeah. is really, really, really sad. And I do think there is a quality of deliberateness to it because you break down that that secure attachment and again as we as we're going to be talking about next week in hold on to kids that that children become peer attached rather than parent attached and you even think about babies like all the contraptions that are needed to be bought if we're not close to them there's we need to buy a lot more stuff to 
um, not only replace our arms, but also the arms of a community. So not all the contraptions that parents are told are essential to, to be a parent of a baby. And of course, those are all great for all the multinational corporations that are making a lot of money from people always having babies and always buying all this new stuff that they're told that is necessary for mm. their baby. And again, to really see that actually you don't really need to buy that that much stuff, really. And particularly if we do have a little bit of support and and to also acknowledge, and I think this is so important, that, of course, it is hard harder to parent in this kind of way when we don't have the community around it, when it wasn't just designed to be one or two people's arms. It was designed to be many, many people's arms that the baby could be passed around to, that, that again, that they were familiar with, that they were had very many multiple secure attachments. So, of course... That can be really hard on us. And of course, there might be times where we need to do things a little bit differently and to really acknowledge that that the ideal really is yeah, to have that close connection like with people that are attuned to them and actually know them and understand what they're communicating. Mm. Yeah, I, yes, absolutely. And I remember that first, that one year that my son was at school because I was with him, I saw so often again, day in, day out, children being really distressed. And of course, their parents being completely unaware of what was going on because they weren't there. And so often I was, as well as you know, being there to support my son and looking after my daughter in the school environment, I was so often also supporting other children who were sad and were missing their mum and were crying and were upset or distressed or somebody had been nasty to them or there were so many times in the day when these children were crying and needing their parents so it's just and yet we were the ones who were made to feel like we were wrong that I wasn't just like toughening him up and leaving him there and so it was became really clear to me very quickly that of course he needed me there and that was completely normal and it was about, and when people would say, he's very clingy, isn't he? I would say, no, he's really closely attached or something like that, because, yeah, it was so obvious. That's what all the children there were craving, and most of them weren't getting. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it, Where, how clingy has become like the biggest judgment, where, of course, <laughs> clinging is one of the primary attachment behaviours, is clinging, <laughs> clinging. And, and, of course, for you talking about monkeys and all that, all that kind of all those animals, they they are still able to cling because their parents have fur. We don't have fur, so that we have a lot more power to actually to put babies down and not to hold them. And I have spoken to, and I imagine you have too over the years, just so many parents and actually all around the world who've just repeatedly shared experiences where they've taken their child to whatever it's called in whatever country they are and they've been told that they if they stay longer it makes it harder for the child and that the child is fine child stops crying when they go and they just need to leave and leave because they're making it harder for their child and all of this stuff I've heard that so like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times if not thousands that this is still happening all around the world even though uh, Bowlby was, you know, when was that? The 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. last century. We, you know, we've understood about attached, secure attachment and actually what provides it. And yet still it hasn't filtered down to the majority of institutions that are supposedly supporting young children. And just so shocking to hear that. And just to think about for a child to be pulled away and literally, literally physically 
pulled away from their parent, it is really normal and natural for them to feel terrified. And yes, Mm -hmm. they might stop crying. And that's often probably because they're dissociating, not because they're like really happy. I mean, it really is horrific. And I do hope very soon we're going to look back and go, what on earth are we thinking to be Mm -hmm. like basically fighting against one of the most innate mechanisms we have, which is secure attachment? Yes. And that the impact that that has on us long term, if I think so many people who I've spoken to who who have really significant trauma associated with being separated from their parents when they were not ready to be separated. And so that could be just in at four when you go to school or it could be at three when you go to daycare or it could be when you're older. But still, the impact of that disconnect and that being forcibly removed from your family, from the safety and the connection that you have with your family shows up for the rest of your life. <laughs> That's what we all have to go to therapy for. And yet it's so simple if we just listen to ourselves, if we're just supported in ways to understand the crucial importance of this and to listen to our own voice that's telling us that as well, we can avoid our children experiencing these traumas and we can avoid them then having these wounds to deal with as adults that are just because they're these natural needs for closeness, connection and attachment are being met what a significant impact that then has on the adults that they're able to become yes and i guess we can see can't we interwoven through our culture how many of us experienced similar things being taken away at an early age and thus how often that means we can't see we can't see and often it is a bit of a process isn't it and again i'm so grateful to to have and i think interesting for me because i had such an early separation right, right at birth it was so pivotal, pivotal, important for me to really explore this because it was having such a huge impact on my life as a child and teenager that really invited me then to really dive in deep to really understand all of this way before I got pregnant. But for most people who, um, you know, don't have really severe early trauma or even people who do, that information is still not widely known. So it's still this deception, this wide deception that's really normal. Yes, yes, of course, you you know, your baby needs to be in the plastic box or it needs to be in the nursery, in the hospital, or it needs to be in the nursery in your room. Like everything's set up as many times as possible to, to separate babies and, and parents and then children and parents and then older children and parents and on it goes. So, you know, for anyone who's managed to not do that, it's huge, isn't it? Like to, to be consistently hearing all of these messages and saying, no, actually, that isn't a fit for me. Mm. Yeah, so hard. And the other message, of course, that is implicit in all of this stuff is that we are not enough as parents. We're not enough. So you need more. You need more things. You need more people. You need more institutions. You need more outside of you. You as a family are not enough to be be looking after your child. They need more. So, and that is so devastating for families to be thinking of themselves as not being enough and really when it comes down to it really what a child what a newborn baby needs isn't a fancy cot in a fancy nursery with a beautiful mobile and lots of soft teddies and a diaper machine and all those other things I mean all it actually needs is a loving caregiver ideally a mother who is able to feed feed them and take care of them and that's that's basically it 
really. Everything else is is extra. So I love that thought that actually we could be supporting more and more people to understand that, yeah, you are enough and you are always enough for your child. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Joss. I love that so much. And I also want to say, and there is a truth that there is more people required, but I would say the more people required would be to support the family system and however that is and to, to you know, help help in whatever way is possible and to come in and to be a long-term um, secure attachment figure for a baby, mm-hmm. not just someone who, and that's something that, that mm, concerns me or I feel sad about when I think about people going off you know child going off to daycare and then maybe having a year with that person then someone else and someone else and all these people that they might they might finally get to be to have some kind of secure attachment with them and then they're gone so it's just this continual loss after loss after loss and and again probably not having their feelings heard about this person that they've over time possibly have come to trust and possibly had this person has actually become attuned to their own unique communications and then that person's gone. And that's, again, it's not designed to be like that. We're designed to have these long-term, multiple secure attachments. Mm. Yes, because what we're talking about is what we all need is more connection, not more disconnection. And so, yeah, what we need is more connection for us as parents to be able to support our children. And what our children need is more connection with us. But what none of us need is more disconnection from each other. Oh. No, it's it's horrific, isn't it? Really is. Mm. Yeah, and I think, like from my experience, I think the reason why I was so clear that this is what I wanted for my children was because I'd had a very different experience. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but at the age of eight, I was sent off to boarding school, and my brother had gone at the age of seven. And of course, at that age, it we were we were not ready at all to be removed from our families and to be sent away to school where you live at school and where you're um, completely disconnected from any sense of uh, loving caregiving adults and I became really aware as I started to really unpack the impact of that experience on me as I became an adult that I just wanted things to be so different for my children and even in that process people would say things like well do you not think you're going a bit too far the other way or letting your trauma impact on your children and things and actually what I see is I'm so grateful in a way that I had that experience because through that experience I really learned what I wanted for my children and what well-being looked like for for children emotional emotional and physical well-being and that is through close attached loving connected relationships with parents so yeah I I just (laughs) having experienced exactly the opposite was yet another really powerful reminder of of what we really need in order to thrive yeah so here you Jocelyn and when you're speaking I'm thinking about both of our experiences it wasn't only that we experienced those early very traumatic separations but that we were also were able to feel in enough of the feelings and how how traumatic it was and all the big feelings enough to know uh, that that was absolutely not what we wanted for our babies and children and and that's so much core to it isn't it to be able to see this conditioning is actually to start to feel the feelings in relation to what we experience and and that's for everyone even people who haven't experienced the the bigger traumas that we have but just you know being 
Well, actually, I would say being sent off to daycare, I do think, unless there might be some occasions where it isn't, and perhaps, you know, anyway, not saying in all cases, but for many people, we did experience severe trauma, being separated before we were ready and not having our feelings heard and being separated over and over and over again. And that part needs to be felt, doesn't it? We need to have some awareness of that. Otherwise, we are just going to repeat it and think, oh, it's normal. And I'm you know, I'm fine. I got separated at X age and I'm fine. It's that, it's that denial, isn't it? And so understandable because it's excruciating to connect in and feel these feelings. But it's essential if we're able to have enough awareness to say, I am fine, but I'm not fine. <laughs> it had a mm. severe impact on me and I'm not willing for my mm. child to experience that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's degrees of fine, aren't there? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm okay. But I, I just want my children's experience to be really different. And I want them to feel, I mean, such a core part of aware parenting as well, isn't it? That close attachment. That's one of the three core aspects of aware parenting that we have these close, attached, connected, physically, uh, physically connected relationships with our children that we prioritize that that closeness that attunement and all of those things that we get through that so I love that aware parenting really prioritizes that as being such an important part of raising emotionally well and and beautifully self-connected adults it's it's so crucial it is so crucial isn't it and I love how we keep coming back to those three aspects because of course with aware parenting so often people focus on the on the crying it's like the you know the ding ding that everyone gets drawn to and really knowing that the the basis is always connection attachment style parenting is the first of the three aspects it's not uh, understanding preventing stress and trauma understanding the effects of crying and raging and laughing in the in the context of a warm loving family and um, parent-child connection that's the third thing it's not the first thing the first thing is attachment style parenting mm -hmm. yes yeah, that's the most important, the most important of all. And I keep thinking again about what the experience of being separated every day from your family and and then experiencing all the other things that school often brings, which are so painful, like punishments and harshness and bullying or, or all of those other things that, that go on at school that are so difficult. And the fact that that's all layered on top of this this basic need that's not being met for for closeness and, and loving attachment. So, um, and of course, obviously, lots of people who send their children to school and practice aware parenting do have beautiful closeness and, and attachment with their children. So it is possible, of course, to do both. And there are lots of schools where they are trying to really ensure that children's emotional well-being is, is cared for whilst being at school as well. But I really do see again and again the value for my children of having been uh, kept together with me um, and with my husband throughout their early childhood years. Yes, I love that, Joss. And I think it's not only that, isn't it? Even if uh, you know, so many parents and so many schools doing amazing things and there's still something about that, that belief that children are designed to be separated every day that 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 goes in somewhere doesn't it for people to go that's mm. that's normal rather than actually as Gabor says it's actually completely unnatural yes we may find ways to and he talked about that in that podcast postcard podcast I can't say it, podcast episode that of course 
if a child, children do need to be separated for, for whatever reason, it's usually because of the DDC makes it really hard financially for parents. So they need to work and, and school is, becomes a way of the child being looked after by someone else while they're, whilst they're at work. But then the next aim would be, okay, how can we promote secure attachment with the teachers? And that would be a whole different, as he talked about in the episode, it would be a whole different kettle of fish, wouldn't it? And it would be very, very different. It would be much more like what you did with your son. It would be older. It would be parents staying. It would be supporting, doing separation games, attachment play. And then when the child was ready, really ready, not because they're being conditioned or there's this this um, unseen peer pressure <laughs> to, to say I'm ready but actually they felt really truly comfortable to say yeah I do feel safe with this with this person they I know they understand me enough I, I know that I could still always at any point choose to to phone my parent and say I actually want to go home I don't feel safe here that would be an entirely different setup to start with mm. yes well that would be a completely different system wouldn't it yeah, I'd love I'd love that for to be more often the experience, but I fear that it's it's quite rare for children to experience that in, in the school environment. And not only that, as we were saying at the beginning, this idea that there's something wrong with us or something wrong with our children if that's not what we want, or that, you know, our children will be spoilt if we pick them up every time they cry, or um spoilt if we wear them in a sling and always have them sleep on us when they are really young rather than putting them in a cot or those sorts of things so that's just so much more the the norm that is and again I received lots of of those sorts of comments too you're making it rod for your own back if you carry him in a sling and pick him up every time he cries and even just that difference actually between a sling and a pram and again I understand why lots of people use prams because they are useful to be you know, helping us carry because we're not designed to be on our own carrying a child outside and carrying food and all the other things that we might be doing so of course it's it's necessary for, for lots of people but putting it that norm that expectation that we'll be putting children in a pram facing away from us and pushing them around versus carrying them in a sling where they're closely connected to us, particularly when we go out in the world and they're really little and they're going to be coming across like lots of noises and bright lights, people, and you know, people want to come and touch them and all of that kind of thing. It's just so obvious, really, why <laughs> that would be a more enjoyable experience for a child. Yeah, that's one of my biggest passions from my own experience as well, being so overwhelmed as I can for me to see uh, a baby, especially a small newborn baby in a stroller in a busy place or in a shopping centre or in a, um, you know, just lots of loud noises. It's just, I, I just feel so sad. And I'm here and we're here to really help people understand that babies are highly sensitive. They're, they're, so easily overwhelmed and the yeah having us close and particularly facing inwards when they're little so that at any point if it's too much stimulation they can close their eyes they've got us to, to there as at least somewhat assuage the effects of all that stimulation it's so and again just so most parents don't get told this stuff it's just mm. the cultural conditioning is so powerful isn't it yeah, and wouldn't it be wonderful if every midwife said to every new birthed mother, 
it's completely normal for you to want to be really close to your child. And if you're struggling with that attachment relationship, we're here to support you to develop that and to, to, to guide you and to hold your hand and to support you through that process and to listen to all your feelings. And once you have that really secure attachment with your child, it's completely normal for you to want to keep it and for you to want to allow your children to slowly, slowly find their own way to gently step away from you in, that, in their own timing. And it's totally normal for you not to want to send them to school. And it's totally normal for you not to want to send them to daycare and all of those things. And wouldn't that be just so wonderful to hear that? Won't it be so wonderful to hear that? I'm going to say, yes, I so agree with you. And the other thing I was thinking, if multinational corporations want to make a lot of money, how about if they put their research and their money into making really fantastic contraptions to be uh, carrying the shopping and whatever else it needs to be carried and the most fantastic baby carriers, which there are already anyway, but to carry the baby in ways that are really supportive for our bodies and, you know, that all families get lots of support if they need to have craniosacral and body work to actually support their bodies to be in alignment so they can gradually get stronger over time. That's what I loved about carrying my babies is that like there's no need to go to the gym <laughs> it's like again yeah. I just see this as this weird cultural blind spot I see so often dads you know and again beautiful um intentions but pushing this tiny little baby in in a in a pram and I'm like in what planet do we do we think this this man who looks to me quite strong is not able to carry a little baby mm. just it's so just amazing isn't it the, the power of the conditioning mm. Mm. yes yes, yes. Mm. I'm remembering a little story I'd love to share that um I'm remembering I was sharing, wrote a post about it today so it's at the top of my mind that when uh, my daughter we took her to ballet when she was just just before she was three and so about the first year she wanted me to go and do every single class with her and be part of the class and <laughs> dance around and so I did I think it was about a year anyway that's my remembering and after that she was really happy to be there and I would just stay I stayed for for many years watching and then gradually over time then I would sit outside and especially when Sunny was born and then and then I'd sit in the car outside and then over time I would leave her there completely so to me that's the process of secure attachment is gradually over time at a time that is right for our child we do gradually do that process the other wonderful thing about it was that uh, and I remember the first performance she wanted her dad there on the stage and I think it was the teddy bear's picnic I think he dressed up as the teddy bear that's what I'm remembering anyway then after that as far as I know she, she might say something different but I'd always ask her so she would perform uh, in ballet concerts like every year and I would see many other children really scared um, clearly very agitated often like taking their outfits off and just doing all you know really you can tell when a when a child has got a lot of big feelings sitting in their body and she she was told me that she didn't feel any fear in relation to being on the stage often uh, as she got older doing solos in front of lots and lots of people it's absolutely no fear and to me I think that's such a such a clear demonstration for me is if we just really, really support their timing, 
gradually, gradually, gradually in their own timing to, to move away, that they, they're, they, they're incredibly competent. They, they want to be competent. They want to be able to do things. They, uh, it's such a beautiful process. And again, so hard in this culture to, to support that when everyone's saying, no, don't, they'll be fine. Leave them alone. That'll be okay. All the things that you heard, mm. we're told. Yeah, I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. And I was thinking so many examples in my children's life as well of similar experiences. And even when they got older, I was thinking about like, for example, going on sleepovers. My children started doing that much later than most children would be doing it. And again, there was often that we're having a party, child would be invited and my kids would say, I don't want to sleep over. And I would say, that's completely fine. And, and they would come home and all the other children were staying. And often there was quite a lot of pressure. Oh, stay, stay. And I totally trusted. And I love that they knew that I would always pick them up. And even sometimes I remember when my daughter first started doing sleepovers, she might call me halfway through and have changed her mind. And then I would just go and pick her up. And the, the same was true for work. I remember her first ever proper job and she was working in a cafe and she wasn't really sure whether she was really comfortable to go. She was probably 12 or 13 or something, an age when many people would say children should be fully independent and should be able to go off on their own by now. Um, and the first few times that I took her there, she said, told me in the car that she was not feeling totally safe to be left there. And so I would stay and I would get, because it was a cafe, I would just get myself a cup of tea and I would sit out somewhere in the cafe and then I would check in with her. And when she was ready, I would leave. And I just, I love that they've had that. And of course, my children don't now as adults or as older teenagers, they don't call me up and say, oh, I'm not really safe at work. Will you come and be with me? Although if they did, I would. But they're totally independent now. They're completely happy to go off and do. And they're really clear themselves about what they need and and when they feel, you know, what, what they feel safe and fine about and I, I love that I love that I've been able to offer that to them and that they've been no, I haven't had any feelings about it I never once felt oh she should really be able to stay at work by herself by now I just trusted that when she was ready she would be able to and until she was ready I wanted to support her and I, I've just loved that mm, I love that too and yeah that's what I was thinking as well is all the that uh, earlier separation often it comes with the, the should and all those internalized things so yes children might be a much younger age apparently quite comfortable but what is the internal cost and how much is their shame how much have they actually even disconnected from their own needs and actually their own feelings in order to be able to stay in those places and how often then that shows up in later life you know we both work with adults and see it so often and it, it it's yeah, it really doesn't need to happen. It really doesn't need to happen. Mm. No. And it comes back to that trusting our children's timing, doesn't it? And uh, you've been writing so beautifully about that always, but particularly recently. Um, but that's really what it comes down to, that we can tune in and trust our children. We can tune in and trust ourselves and we can trust that when they're ready, they will be ready to separate and individuate from us. And when that individuation process is allowed to happen organically, it's a much, much stronger process at the end, free from trauma than when it's forced by somebody else's timetable and somebody else's judgments about what it should look like. Yes, I was really reflecting back on what you'd said then that so often that, that DDC conditioning, isn't it? It's like 
if if you if you sleep co-sleep with your child they will never want to leave if you do x y and z again it's about that complete absence in trust in the development of of any human being that it's completely normal and natural at younger ages to want to be close and then at older ages to want to to fly the nest and to do her own thing whilst also remaining connected and it's it's really that lack of trust in babies and children isn't it and and I think that's so interesting isn't it and I'm even wondering whether sometimes people who say it whether it might come from from those unmet needs themselves because that that longing becomes so massive like you know if we haven't experienced it and I know this for myself because I had it for many years the longing and this sense I had for a long time of this ever-present lack and longing for connection and love and closeness it was so all-pervasive and so I sometimes I well I don't sometimes I only just thought of it now I wonder whether that that those people saying you know if you let them do that they want to do it forever actually comes from their own unmet attachment needs that drives this longing which seems to be bottomless and never ending simply because if we didn't get those needs met we're going to have a hell of a lot of crying to do and a hell of a lot of grief and loss and terror and powerlessness sitting in our bodies which of course translates to that we want to be we'd want to be co-sleeping forever but also that i think about co-sleeping like if if we have a partner generally most people actually also do still want closeness it's also actually really normal and natural again in many indigenous cultures people are all sleeping around maybe in hammocks and often sleeping in the same space it's actually also natural to want to be to want to have closeness but um you know when we get get that secure attachment early on the closeness can be it doesn't just need to be with our parents. It's like we, we're free to, to connect deeply and warmly with, with the people that we feel drawn to. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yes. Yes, so normal. So normal to want to be close to someone, to others, to, to, for those hugs, for connection, for touch, for, yeah, closeness. Mm so normal the most normal human need well the most normal mammalian need I see it again with these little puppies I have to say a million times I've taken them away from their mother and they literally I'm their attachment figure so everywhere I go they want to be close with me and I know that from my older dog who also did the same as you get them they get a bit older they don't always want to be but it's really normal and natural they still want to be close they still want cuddles but not all the time (laughs) It's a de- natural developmental stage to to want to want that all the time when we're little. Yeah, 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 and I, it's so clear that I think that extends for for a much longer time than than our society allows most families. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Is there anything else that we want to say? Listen in. Hmm. I'd love to hear, I would love to say to anyone listening, if you, if you are, because of course it's so normal and natural to doubt and to have fears and concerns and self-doubt and self-judgment and self-shaming. If you are wanting to be close with your baby or child or they're wanting to be close with you and you're hearing from people around you is, I want to say you can really trust yourself. You can really Mm. trust yourself. You can really trust your baby or child. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd just also like to add to that to say that it's completely normal and natural too for that to feel overwhelming sometimes when we're doing this on our own. 
and it's not and there are plenty of times when mothers want to be close to their children but they're just like full or empty or both um and so yes of course we all have moments as well where we're just like oh I can't I can't give any more I don't want to be touched I want my own space and all those kind of things and of course again it comes back to this point about us being designed to be doing this in in groups where we weren't just the sole caregiver 100% of the time on our own. So, of course, the times when it feels really overwhelming too. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't it called the Allo Mother, A-L-L-O-M-O-T-H-E-R? I came across that many years ago and I've kind of forgotten what it is all about now, but I have that sense, yeah, we, we are not designed to be doing this in isolation. So it's exactly as you said, really normal and natural to feel overwhelmed and find it hard and and want actually our own space to do to do other things as well and again in a healthy culture that would be that would be easily impossible and like so many indigenous cultures often as well don't we see the older children quite joyfully I'm imagining I'm projecting I don't know it's true but carrying the the younger children as well so again there's a sense of so many many hands someone in our we're parenting in natural learning community last year it's talked about doing the job of many and that's really um, stayed with me since hearing her say that that we are doing the job of many many people and of course we feel overwhelmed and frustrated and tired and all of those things at times so that's why we're always going to prioritize inviting you to reach out for more support more practical mm-hmm. support more emotional support so essential yeah absolutely so important Hmm. Hmm. so do you have anything else to share or do you want to share about your offerings at the moment us if you don't um just trying to think if I have anything else to share I don't think so just I want to yeah reiterate that there's nothing wrong with you if you want to be with your child and there's nothing wrong with your child if they want to be with you um in terms of offerings I've got a new live round of my teenagers course starting on the 27th of February um which is three week live rounds each time so and the course is obviously available anytime so the videos and the reflections and the resources are there anytime but the live rounds are Facebook lives and Q&As and Zoom calls and stuff where we talk about all the things that we want to talk about in relation to aware parenting teenagers and yeah just still offering my one-to-one work and community with Danny and our beautiful web parenting natural learning community too and yeah just yeah showing up in a few different spaces but really really loving it all and I want to say as the recipient of your listening and empathy and compassion particularly over the for so long now but particularly over the last few weeks and I've cried and sobbed and <laughs> uh, all the feelings uh, I your your presence and your wisdom and your compassion is so incredibly beautiful and I see you know I see testimonials from people as well really saying that same kind of thing the, the quality of emotional safety that you create is so profound so I'd so highly recommend anyone who feels called to work with you just big yes in, in all those different formats that you have on offer well thank you so much Marion and I just love that we normalize this that you know we reach out and support each other so much um, and how important and necessary it is for us. So thank you for saying that. 
Pleasure. <laughs> what about you? What are you offering at the moment? Yeah, uh, I'm really happy to be offering the second live round of my Aware Parenting with Marion course. So that's uh, similar to yours. There's lots of uh, pre-recorded material already and then a live round with Facebook Zoom calls and also the 2023 Aware Parenting Instructor Mentoring course. So very happy about that too. Wonderful. Um. Wonderful. Just bringing Aware Parenting to more people, whether yes. they want to then just practice it in their families or share it with others. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yay for more Aware Parenting. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so much love to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. We've been so touched hearing people saying they're listening and sharing it with others. So just thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate you. And yeah, big, big love to you. Yes. So much love we have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too we are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information to find out more about marion's work you can go to marionrose.net and for joss's website it is awareparenting.com.au we wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures Mm -hmm.